All right, wasn't that good? Come on, you can do better than that. All right, that's a little bit better. All right, well, let me, uh, let me ask you a question. How many of you love pets? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high and see. Okay, how many of you love dogs? Raise your hand. Cats? How about both? How many of you don't love any of them, right? I don't want a cat and I want a dog. Well, I got to tell you, um, our son-in-law and daughter got two new dogs, two puppies. And uh, I'm going to show you a picture of them. They're right up here. Aren't they cute? Huh? Even if you don't like dogs, aren't they cute? And they're like, I don't know, seven months old, nine months old, whatever. And uh, that's uh, Whiskey River is the dark one. And the light-colored one there is uh, June Carter Cash. <laughs> All right. And so they're just, uh, they're so much fun, and they're so playful. And, but, you know, have you ever wondered when you're away what your pets are doing? <laughs> Anybody ever had that? And then you came home to discover what they were up to, right? So what I want to do is I want to show you a little video. It's pretty short. Uh, about 45 seconds long. It'll show you what Jen found when she came home the other day, uh, greeted by two dogs wagging their tails, happy to see her. So let's take a look at the video. So she texts me that, and I started laughing so hard because she'd say, Dad, you really need to get a dog. And then I'd get the video and go, you will never sell me on a dog with that video, right? And I started laughing, and I go, this is hilarious. She goes, it's not funny at all. And I don't know what they got, whether they got a pillow, a chair, or a couch. I haven't got all the details yet, but I thought it was so great to see that going on. And then all of a sudden, the spiritual application came. And I said, isn't that exactly what you do? When you think the father isn't looking. Come on. You know, you go, ah, you know, I know God will forgive me. Uh, I know this will be okay. And everybody's doing this. And you kind of, in your mind, you do all kinds of stuff. And then all, and then you're just happy to see the father. Come to church, your tail's wagging. You're going, yeah, God, I love you, God. Right? And all of a sudden he's going, well, you know, we've got some stuff we got to clean up. Do you follow that? We got some stuff we got to clean up. What I'm saying is you got some stuff in your life you got to clean up. We're in prayer and fasting because it's so powerful. Fasting and prayer is the most powerful spiritual combination on earth. Jesus told us that when we we pray, it's powerful, right? We can move mountains. But he also said some things don't happen except by prayer and fasting. And fasting is not easy, right? If you've ever fasted, you go, that's not easy. It's not something you want to do. The other day, Tammy went to Target. She was going to get some stuff. She came home. And why she did this? Just proving her sin. (laughs) She left a bag of those roasted almonds, you know, on the counter, it's noontime, I can't eat till seven. I'm looking, I'm going, oh God, I love those almonds. And then my, my fleshly man says, just have an almond. What's one almond going to do? Then my spirit man says, you don't want to thwart what I want to do, do you? And I'm going, oh, okay, no almonds for me. 
I don't know what happened to him. The bag disappeared. I didn't say anything to her till now. So this is the first time she's hearing about, about how grievous that was to my spirit. Because, you know, look, look, I'm a big man. I need food. Right? You don't just run this 200 and none of your business pounds down the road on no food. So I needed that food. Well, let me go on and talk to you a little bit more about fasting. Fasting also brings humility and alignment with God. There's something very humbling when you want something and you can't have it because you've aligned yourself with God. It's very powerful. It's very enriching. Fasting breaks the power of the flesh and demonic forces that come up against you. Your flesh cries out and says, I want it, I want it, I want it. And God's saying, delay, let me work in your life. Let me do something in your life. Fasting kills unbelief of, of, and brings about answers to prayer in a way that nothing else really will work. You see, there's so much you can get in prayer, but it'll stop without fasting. God understands something about us. It says, well, but when I'm fasting, I, I just feel so hungry, and I feel so desperate, and I, yes, exactly right. I feel so weak. You know what God says? I like it when you're weak. I like it when you get self-control. I like it when you get, when you get self out of the way, and you start allowing me to take control of your life. So God really kind of rejoices when we feel weak and we feel helpless because he says, now I can fill the vessel. Now you're going to rely on me. You've been re relying on you too much. You got to understand this Christian life is like a partnership, right? There's something God does or something I do. And when we cooperate in that, we get the maximum return in our life. And that's what God wants to bring that joy into our life. Now, there's four things that you're going to hear. You heard them last week. You're going to hear them again this week. You're going to hear them for a couple of more weeks in different forms or fashion that are really important. Here's the first one. Know God. It's very important for us to know God. Really know God. If you died right now, you stood before God, and God looked in your eyes, and he said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? If you're kind of fumbling, you think, well, I'm a good person. I'm kind of religious. I go to church. I, I do whatever. But you see, that's not enough. I'm never good enough. I can never go to church enough. I can never be religious enough. I can never go through enough rituals to get into heaven. Heaven comes by my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and I really entrust myself completely to him. I need to know God. And then when I know God, then I can start this journey of finding freedom, not doing what I want, but having the freedom to really do what I ought to do in life. Third thing is this, discover purpose. It's really important for us to know, why am I here? I got to be here for more than just making a living and retiring and raising kids. And I mean, those are all important things. And we all are glad that we get to participate in, in, in those kind of things. But it's got to be more than that. Why are you here? God, why did you put me on planet Earth? For what reason am I here? What do you desire in me? How can I extend your kingdom? How can I leave a legacy? What can I do, God? Purpose. And then make a difference. We all want to make a difference in someone's life, in our world. We want the world to be a better place because we were there. Whether it's an act of kindness, whether it's an act of generosity, 
you know, whether it's bringing some new found uh, information to society, whatever it is, we want to make a difference. Let me take you through a couple of quotes here. The first one's from Arthur Wallace, wrote a book on fasting, and here's what he said, fasting is important, more important perhaps than many of us have supposed, when exercised with a pure heart and a right motive. So why am I doing this? I got to have a pure heart and a pure motive. Fasting may provide us with a key to unlock doors where other keys have failed or a window opening up new horizons in the unseen world. What if, what if you just said, yeah, I don't think this fasting thing is a big deal. I'm going to pray. What if God had prescribed even just something you pulled away from and said, I see what you're doing. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to respond because your fasting is an act of faith. It is an act of faith. Well, you say, when I, I have people say, well, when I pray I, and when I fast, I can't even pray. I can't even concentrate. Do you know that your fasting is your prayer? That is your prayer. That is your demonstration of faith. It is something that's just taking you to a new level. Andrew Murray put it like this. Fasting helps to express, to deepen, and to confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything. Anything to sacrifice ourselves to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. How desperate are you? That's really what it comes down to. How desperate are you to see God do something? How desperate are you really to see that son or that daughter come to faith in Christ? To see that person healed? You know, this past week, uh, I got a report. One of the members of our prayer team uh, went to the doctor and found out there were some serious heart conditions. And the doctor had her come back uh, uh, this past week and wanted to see her. And we're going to figure out what we're going to do in treatment. And, and in the, between the first doctor and the second doctor visit, our prayer team began to pray. And when she went back to the doctor and he did the tests again, he came back and he said, I don't really know what happened, but that condition is gone for some reason. Put your hands together. Isn't that good? Come on. I got it. I, I got it. Okay, now watch this. If that was your miracle, how would you clap? Right, right? You know, and sometimes we don't recognize when God's doing something, you know, we give a little golf clap. That's good. I'm glad to see God's doing his job. I'm doing mine, right? No, you see, we got to get excited about the things of God, the miracles of God, and what God wants to do in our life. Arthur Wallace again, here's what he said. God is not merely concerned with what we do, but why we do it. A right act may be robbed of all of its value in the sight of God if it is done with the wrong motive. Isaiah 58, 6. Here's our text for today. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? God said, I chose a fast. All the fasts I give you, here's one I want you to really zero in on. You know why? Because it deals with bondage, bad habits, stuff in our life. You got stuff in your life? Anybody got stuff in your life? You'd kind of like to say, if I could deal with that stuff, it'd be great. Anybody got stuff in their life? Okay, three of you. Great. I'm so glad that you three are going to get healed today. It's going to be awesome, right? Okay, so you got stuff in your life. He said, here's the fast that I've chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness. Did you know there's wickedness in every one of us? You know, the Apostle Paul in, in Romans chapter 7, he put it like this. He said, you know, the very thing that I want to do, I don't do. You ever had that happen? You ever go, 
dang it, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I think that? Have you ever had that or is it just me? Right? You go, why did I do that? And Paul says, I find in my members there's a war going on. There's this battle. I know what to do and I want to do it, but I don't do it. And, and what God is wanting us to understand is you are in a battle, but you can win that battle. God says, I want to break, it says here, I want to break the bonds of wickedness. I want to undo the heavy burden. Ever had a heavy burden? Ever just had something you go, wow, I just, will this thing ever go away? And it just kind of weighing me down and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get victory over it. I just keep going and going and going and it just got heavier and heavier and heavier. And people say, how you doing? I, I'm a little weighed down right now. And all you can do is talk about it. You ever notice when you get on a conversation at dinner time, it never hardly ever gets off that conversation? Somebody says, they start talking about their sickness, and then you got a sickness. And you got to one-up their sickness. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, I had that. That was nothing. Yeah. I had 10 times that. I had it four times in a one week. I mean, you know, it's just always going on. And then it always just kind of degenerates in the same conversation. And you try to break in and change the course. You go, hey, let's talk about something happy. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you happy. Happy was when I got over that sickness. You remember the sickness? I tell you, and they're going, I'm like, go, I'm done. I'm done. Why is that? There's a bent. We almost always will degenerate in a conversation if we're not extremely careful to let the oppressed go free. You know what oppression is? It's that pressure. You wake up in the morning, you feel the pressure. It's there. It's not overwhelming. It's just there. You go through the day and you have moments where you don't think about it, but then it comes back to your conscious memory and it's like the pressure. That's oppression. Just, it's like this. It's there. And then you, you're ready to go to bed and you go, you know, boy, I just I can't wait to get a good night's sleep and I don't have to think about that for eight hours. And then you wake in the morning and there it is a little bit. And it's oppression. God says, I came to break oppression off of you as well. And he said, and that to break every yoke. Yoke was that wooden thing they would put over the back of an ox so that they could pull a cart or a plow. And if that, if that yoke didn't fit well, it would cripple the animal. It couldn't pull with all of its strength. See, sometimes you're trying to do God's thing, but you feel crippled in doing it. It's painful. It's not, it's not restful. It's not light and easy. Jesus said, I came and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to give you like six declarations or requests that I, we're going to say them together and that way um, it kind of reinforces in your mind. Here's the first one. It goes like this. I need to be set free. Would you say that with me? I need to be set free. You know what religion does? And I love to say this to people. I'll say, you know, I hate religion. And they'll look at me, aren't you a pastor? Yeah, I hate religion. Well, how can you hate religion? Be a pa- I hate religion because religion is all about conforming to somebody's idea of what God is like. Religion is all about me trying to, 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 to somehow do enough good stuff so that God likes me. But what religion really does is religion, it, it just kind of controls us, doesn't it? It puts bondage around us. What I, what I like to say is, I don't like religion, I just love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I just want to, what does the book say? I want to follow the book. I just want to do that. The other thing that sometimes grabs us is guilt, and guilt always condemns us. You know, we feel guilty, and we can't get free, and we go to God, we say, God, forgive me, and you still feel guilty. I like to say that guilt is a gift that keeps on giving. 
You know, if you feel guilty, you're not satisfied just being guilty. You got to give some. You got to help somebody else be guilty, and then they help somebody else be guilty, and then everybody's guilty, and everybody's miserable. And what it really does in the end, it just kind of condemns. You never feel good. Did you know that God never came to make you feel guilty? He never did. Guilt does not come from God. Guilt comes from the enemy, or comes from your friend. But it never comes from God. What God does is he brings conviction that leads you to his grace. So you find forgiveness. And you don't live in guilt. Another thing is grief. What grief does is grief crushes us. And some of you are grieving. You've been grieving for a long time. You're grieving over a relationship that's gone. A relation over a job that's no longer there. You're grieving over a son or a daughter. You're grieving over your health. You're grieving. And, you, and, it, and it, what it does is it just crushes your spirit. and You, you can't feel anything. You go, God, I, I just, I need to just be, I just need to get over this grief. Do you realize that it says here in the scripture that God came through prayer and fasting to relieve you from the grief that guilt brings, the condemnation of guilt, the, the crushing blow that, that you find when you're disappointed in life or, 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 or the, the condemnation you find in religion. He said, I came to set you free from all that. Jesus came to set us free. Isn't that good news? That really is good news. And all we have to do is figure out how to get him in the middle of our stuff. And that's what we're going to try to do today. Here's the second statement. I need a shift. Can you say that? I need a shift. You know, if you could just shift sometimes and just take a little different perspective on it, sometimes what it does is it changes everything. You go, oh, now I see things from a different perspective, from a different light. Now I can move in a new direction. Years ago, El Nino swept through the... uh, the western coast of South America, and it hit an area, it rained in an area that they had no recorded rainfall since 1551. It was complete desert. There was nothing there whatsoever that grew. No one went there. No one wanted to go there. There was no, no reason to go there. But El Nino turned that miles of desert into a paradise. And here's what they said about it as I was researching it. Hardy seed of life lay dormant, waiting for the right conditions to spring forth. Let me read it again, and I want you to get the spiritual application. Hardy seed of life lay dormant, waiting for the right conditions to spring forth. Underneath that soil, underneath that sand, there were hardy seeds that had not birthed since 1500s. They lie dormant there, and all of a sudden the water came and the life came. I want you to know there are hardy seeds that are lying dormant in your life right now. And when the water of life comes, when the spirit of life comes, when he begins to pour it on you, guess what's going to happen? Those hardy seeds, they haven't died. Oh, they're in you right now just as much as they were ever in you. They're going to spring forth to life. They're going to bring forth something. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 44 and verse 3. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Oh, God, make me thirsty. Floods upon the dry ground. God said, when I see somebody who's thirsty, I'm going to activate those hardy seeds that lie dormant in their spirit, in their life, in their mind, and I'm going to bring forth some life. Isaiah 59, 19. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, for he shall come as a rushing stream. Oh, yeah, here God says, okay, you know what? People are looking for the glory of God. I'm coming like a rushing stream. And when I come in, hey, those, those 
hardy seeds that are lying dormant, guess what? They're going to spring forth life. They're going to bring forth fruit in their season and out of their season. And he said this, which the breath of the Lord will drive. That word breath is the word ruach. It's the Hebrew word means the spirit. He's not talking here about physical. He's talking about spiritual. He says, when I blow on something, when my spirit comes on something, it activates that life that's in there, that's buried deep down inside of you. You don't even know what's in there. You say, I don't know. I'm just kind of going through the motions. I'm a Christian. I'm going to get to heaven. That's cool. And I'm happy about that. I'm glad I'm not like oh so-and-so. But, but you want life. You want the oppression gone. You want the bondage gone. You want the guilt gone. You, want to, you say, well, I'm feeling pretty good about life. What if what, if what you have is only just here, and God wants to give you here. See, the problem is, if we're healthy and successful financially, if we've got friends and good family, we think we're fine. But what if God said, but what if fine is up here? What if you're just settling, settling for the best you can get in this world? What if I could give you something better? Would you want that? And that's what God is telling us here. Here's the next statement. I need power. Would you say that with me? I need power. Okay, we're going to try it again. I'm going to give you a little help here. I, what? Wow, you are so good when you get to be that. You know, we're going to do a little, a little contest between first service, second service, see who wins. Get one of those little meters, you know, those little dummy meters and go, yeah, second service won. Okay, prayer and fasting are not preparation for the battle. I want that to sink in a minute. Prayer and fasting are not preparation for the battle. Prayer and fasting is the battle. Everything's one. Everything's one in prayer and fasting. Then you go out and enjoy the victory. A friend of mine, uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he was uh, a staff evangelist with Billy Graham way back in the day. And you know, when Billy Graham got done preaching, even the early days, they were very, very careful to put security around him. There were always threats on his life. There are always people who are trying to just kind of corner him and control his time or his emotions. And, and, uh, and so they were very careful. Well, one night after this crusade, it was a big tent crusade, they couldn't find Billy Graham. And of course, they were worried. They imagined the worst. Their security guards were going everywhere looking for Billy Graham. They couldn't find him. And, and then they heard in the distance, they heard someone crying. And they, fear gripped their souls. They thought, oh no, Billy Graham is hurt. And, and, and maybe, you know, somebody's holding him captive. And so they ran in the direction of the tears. And they found Billy Graham kneeling down, praying on a chair. And they just stopped. And they listened. And my friend said, I heard him say, oh God, if I would have prayed a little longer, more souls would have been saved. You see, Billy Graham realized that the source of his great strength was not in his ability to communicate, but it was in that time with God in prayer. Isaiah 58 verses 8 and 9 says this, Then your light shall break forth like morning. Then your light. You've got a light inside of you. God says, I wanted to get it out of there. Right? Right? Little kids sing that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's what he's talking about. It's going to break forth like morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer and you shall cry and he will say, here I am. Next statement, I need it now. Can you say that with me? That's pretty good. Let's try it again. All right, now look, 
What do we need? We need it to break forth. We need a break forth kind of victory. You know you need one when you've been waiting so long or too long. So God, I'm ready for something now. I've been praying. I've been waiting. God, I've been waiting too long. You need to get on my calendar plan because your calendar plan is a little long. I mean, I've said that to God. Have you? Maybe you haven't said it, but you thought it at least, right? Amen. God, what are you waiting for? We got some stuff to do here. And God's going, just hold on. When your hope is almost gone, you need a breakthrough victory. You know, I talk to enough people. I know when talking to people, when they say, I don't know if I can hang on any longer. My hope is almost gone. I don't know what I'm going to do. I hear that weekly. I hear that weekly from people. And I know what they're saying. I know that they know deep down they can hang on a little bit, but they don't, doesn't feel like it because everything is just stretched and pulled so hard. When you don't know which way to turn, you need a breakthrough victory. God, I don't know whether to do this. I don't know whether to do this. I don't know what to do, God. And I call on you and I don't hear you, God. I don't know what to do. Don't know which way to turn. When all of those things begin to line up, then you're really in line for a breakthrough, a major victory in your life. Get ready, because God wants to bring that to you. It may be something that happens today. It may be something God releases today. It may be next week. It may be next year. But I want you to know God has not left you all alone. God has not forgotten about you. God is not, 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 not unconcerned. He's concerned about your tears and your grief and your sorrow and all of those things. And, and a break forth victory is on its way. And even by saying that when you don't feel it, is faith in believing that God is busily working. Next statement. I need protection. Would you say that with me? Gosh, you're getting so good. I love it. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Now, that's a term we don't use a lot of. It's a military term. It's about a a group of, of soldiers that are stationed at the back, and they serve a very important function. Let me give you some of the functions. They protect during an advance or during a retreat. So if you're charging, you say, man, I'm going, I'm living for God. I'm, I'm rushing forward, rushing forward, rushing forward. All right, you got to be careful because the enemy is going to come up behind you. How about when you're running? Ever been in a retreat? Amen. We've been in a retreat before, right? I'm just scared, God. I'm running, I'm running. God says, don't worry. I got, I got, I got the rear guard. I got it. Whether you're advancing or whether you're retreating, I got it is what God is saying. Here's what else a rear guard does. It blocks, defends, delays, or interferes with the enemy. I like that. I'm out here trying to go through my life, and God says, you know what? You don't even know what's going on, but I'm going to block. I'm going to defend. What I'm going to do is I'm going to delay. I'm going to interfere. Amen. Interfere with the enemy. I don't want anything to do with them. Amen? Amen. I want you engaged as the rear guard. It allows time for you to regroup. You know what you need sometimes? Sometimes. You just need to rest a minute and go, God, what is going on? Will you protect me while I'm trying to figure it out? I need some regrouping. God says, I'm your rear guard. I'm your rear guard. Then glory will be your rear guard. You know that word glory is an interesting word. It's a root word that means heavy. Heavy. The glory of God is said to be heavy. Something that you feel. Something that you walk into atmospherically and you say, wow, I just 
sense the presence of God. Something was different about that. When the glory of God shows up, the atmosphere becomes weighty or heavy. There was a man by the name of Evan Roberts, and Evan Roberts was just a common man. He was a coal miner in Wales in a little town called Swansea. And he wasn't highly educated, but he he was a man of prayer, and he began to pray for the miners that he worked with in those coal mines that they would find Christ. And his famous prayer was, God, bend me first. Bend me. God, make me usable, right? God, bend me. And really, without any warning, without any fanfare at all, all of a sudden, the miners down in in those coal mines, without even Evan Roberts being around, they began to call on the name of God. They began to get saved. They said, that the, the history books record that when sailors would come in to the, into Great Britain there, no preacher on board, no Bible, they would feel the atmospheric presence of God. It was weighty, it was heavy. And in the course of two years, from 1906, or 1904 to 1906, more than 300,000 people came to faith in Christ. It wasn't because of eloquent preachers. It really was because of a common man who prayed and brought in the presence of God. It was people like you and people like me who just, God just welcomed them when they came with prayer and fasting. You know, encountering the presence of God like that is not something unusual. It's something that is for everyone in this room. It is really not difficult at all. When I get ready to preach every week, I, I stand with my hands out and I just really just say, God, forgive me. And, hum, and I just say, God, would you just make me humble, God? And would you, would you do a fresh work in my life? And God, would you, just, would you just make your presence known to me? And I stand there and, and I don't, you know, I don't go through any fanfare. I just feel the presence of God. Sometimes I, it feels weighty. Sometimes it feels like it's, it's kind of leaning on me and pressing into me. It's not because I have this super walk with God. It's just because I ask. I ask for his presence. I, and his atmosphere shows up. In Isaiah 52 and verse 12, it says, the God of Israel is your glory. God is my glory. In Exodus chapter 14, when they were running from Egypt, they were trying to get out of Egypt as quick as they can. The Egyptians were on their heels. God said this, the angel of the Lord went before them and he went behind them. I need that, amen? I want God ahead of me. I want God behind me. I want God all around me. I want him to be my glory, the lifter of my head. I want him to be a shield all about me. Here's the next statement. I need God. Would you say that? I need God. It says, then you shall call. I've gone through all this, God. I, I've prayed and I've fasted like you told me to. And, and God, what I've done is I've, I, I've taken my oppression and I've given it to you. And I've taken my bondage. I've given it to you, God. I've given you all this stuff. He says, okay, good. Now we're ready. It says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer and you shall cry. And he will say, here I am. Here I am. When I was a kid, I used to get in a lot of trouble. I get a little scared. I was going to get in trouble, and my dad, the colonel, was going to come home, and I was going to get in more trouble. And I'd run home, and as a little kid, maybe second, third, fourth grade, I'd come in and go, Mom, Mom. She'd go, I'm here. It was so comforting. 
You didn't want to hear your dad go, I'm here. <laughs> right? You heard your mom, I'm here. And I ran into her arm, mom, mom, and this is what happened. And sometimes it was, it was I was scared from something that happened. Sometimes it was, it was just something I'd done wrong. Whatever it was, I'm here. When you call on him, he's saying, I'm here. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Run, 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 run in my arms. Swing the door wide open. I'm here. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to help you through this situation. I'm here. I'm here. Last week, we, we directed people to the cross. You can look over and see all the prayer requests on there. Those are two or three deep now. But that's from last Sunday and the first service. And what we asked people to do was to operate in the area of revelation and not reason. And what I mean by that is, sometimes we reason, we say, you know, I don't really need to put a prayer request up. I'll just tell God how I feel. What is God saying? There's something, I don't know what it is, there's something happens to me when when I put motion to my faith and I write something down and I put it on a, on a cross like that one and I say, God, I'm putting it there believing you for something. I know our prayer team prayed over all of those. I came in this morning, first thing I did was I put my hand on the cross and I began to pray as a group over all of those prayer requests. I haven't looked at those, all those names. I don't know what's on there. I don't know if they put their name or whatever, but I, I can guarantee you I know people well enough to I know what's on there. There's people with cancer and their name is on there. They're friends that have cancer. Their name is on there. There are people with heart disease. There are people with broken relationship with sons and daughters and husbands and wives and parents, and they're on there. There are people with financial problems, and they're on there. I wonder what you need to put on there. What do you need to, to say, God, if I could just see that? Something, something that I said today will stick with you. And that something that sticks with you is what God is trying to get your attention about. That something that's sticking with you that God's trying to get your attention about, you need to put before God in prayer. You probably need to couple it with fasting on some level. You need to know that our prayer team prays for you. And that we see miracles Every week we see miracles here. I don't understand it. I've never seen anything like it. The healing and the salvation and the miracles we see on a weekly basis here are uncanny. But God's doing something in our midst. I want you, I want all of us to be a part of that. I want you and your extended family and your workers and everybody to be a part of what God is doing here. I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. We're just going to bow our heads for a moment. I'm going to pray. And in just a moment when I'm done praying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to take that thing that God has put on your heart. Maybe it's a name of a, of a person. Maybe it's for yourself. I'm going to ask you to just move your way over to the cross or be members of our prayer team there. There's slips of paper there and pens, and they'll help you, and you can put it on that request. If you want somebody to pray with, they'll be, just ask them. They'll be glad to do that. But the greatest miracle that can happen here as we just pause to pray is the miracle of new life salvation. We saw seven or eight people come to faith in Christ in the first service. Every week we see someone come to faith in Christ. Maybe you need to
to ask God to come into your life. If, if, if you didn't know how to answer that question, if you died now and God said, why should I let you into my kingdom, what would you say? We want to help you with that answer. We want to help you with that experience and that relationship. Pray a prayer like this one. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died, Jesus, on the cross, that you were buried and you rose from the dead to give me life. I receive that life. I receive that gift, not because I'm good or religious, because you just loved me and you told me to ask. So give me that gift of eternal life right now, Jesus. Come into my heart. Save me. If you ask him, he did exactly what you asked him to do. You put that faith in Him, in His Word, in His truth. And now just in your own words, would you just thank Him where you stand or sit? Would you just thank Him? Thank Him for doing that. Let me ask you something. If that was your prayer today, would you just look this way? Just look right here at me. God bless you. Anyone? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. God sees your faith. God sees your heart. Now what I want to ask you to do is I want you to to go quickly to that cross. Take that burden. Don't don't reason it away and say, God knows that I don't have to go there. If you tell God what you won't do, you do need to do it. Just go quickly right now to the cross. Just quickly as the music plays. We'll not delay this, but just go quickly. Just say, God, I want to, I got to see God move. Operate by revelation. What's God saying to you right now? What's God, how's God urging you? What's God moving you to do? Just do it. Do it quickly. Do it quickly. I want to hear hundreds of reports of great miracles that have come from this cross. I want to see lives changed and people healed. Relationships restored. People get jobs. Prayer and fasting, it moves the mind and the heart of God like nothing else. Oh God, as we put these prayer requests on here, Father, we we believe that your word is true and that by prayer and by fasting, that we enter into a covenant relationship. And in this house that we have, where we worship you, we give you praise. God, we know that there's some power that is coupled together when we are corporately united and we're saying yes I believe and I'm going to ask all of you who are who are maybe you've already put a request up or you're standing right now would you just look to the cross and just extend your hand would you just now join me as we pray for the body of 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 requests that are found on that cross hundreds of them Lord Jesus we we just extend our hand in faith Believing that every single prayer request that's up there, God, is special to you. God, I'm sure in some of those situations, you're weeping over people because they've waited so long. God, in some of them, you're rejoicing because you know the answer is coming tomorrow. There's victory right around the corner. But God, we as a corporate body of people, you've said when we gather two or more that you are there in our midst and there is a, there is a power that comes when we are gathered together like this, God. So answer those prayers in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Restore relationships in Jesus' name. Bring life where there is none, God, in Jesus' name. 
We give you thanks. We give you glory, God. We thank you for the cross, the symbol, God, of life for us, a symbol of joy. Father, as we, as we close the service, God, and I know people will still be here praying and putting names on for a while, but, but God, for, for this moment, God, I, I just ask this blessing to be on all. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be glorious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May you feel the warmth of his presence. May his spirit be weighty in a good way. May the glory and the presence of God be with you right now in a very good way. May you have a smile on your face because you know the victory's on its way. The answer's coming. You may not see it right now, but it's coming. God is working. God is doing something. And you can smile because God is on your side. He is your rear guard. He will protect you in everything you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Hey, guys, so glad that you're here today. And hopefully God spoke to you. And what I want to ask you to do as you go out today, would you... Would you find somebody you don't know and give them a big smile and shake their hand? Would you do that? Okay, I know it's going to be a stretch, right? Let's try. Practice smile. That's good. All right. Have a great day, guys. We love you.